Okay. So I have like five overarching questions. Okay. But I know how conversation usually goes, especially with you, so we'll probably go a little bit deeper. But okay. So my first one is, so despite communications being a very broad discipline and the communication media service major being also very broad because it covers a lot of different things. What are the main skills you feel that the discipline as well as the major here at FSU really emphasizes? And why do you think it's important for a person to have like right. these specific emphasized skills? So yeah, the three big skills that you walk away with, reading, writing, speaking. Um, anything well, reading, that's what you learn in third grade. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's some truth to that, but it's a, it's kind of a literacy. It's a media literacy that we teach in some ways, how to read through things, how to t- how to how to read for evidence, how to see what's true, how can you believe something, what's the flaw in the argument. Um, writing, of course, is enormously important because you're going to be doing it the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. we actually now have courses that are devoted exclusively to writing, which I'm excited about because we didn't. They were kind of electives in the past, and now they're stuff that we're making you take which is really important um and then yeah speaking uh, we force students across the university to take public speaking classes um because you're going to be you're going to be speaking the rest of your life and and that's also a skill while it's sometimes confined to a space you're going to speak in that space the skills you learn in that course are skills that we're doing right now they're skills that are interpersonal they're group they're Mm-hmm. They're never going to go away. So, And we try to tell our students day one, look, you guys are scared of this, you're fearful, mm-hmm. but the stuff you're going to learn here is stuff that goes way beyond a formal speech. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like you said, interpersonal skills, we're going to mm-hmm. get to that a little bit later because it has to pertain to another question. But so my next question is going to be, what are the main skills and lessons of communication that you want your students from our class specifically, um, SPC 3210, mm-hmm. like to gain and take out of it? Um, because I know like in class we focus on like rhetoric a lot mm-hmm. and like all the main things that we specify so like one of the things I'm trying uh, Alyssa to get you guys to do is to slow down your reading and learn how to read critically okay. um, I've had to kind of recalibrate that because over the years I just assumed it mm-hmm. and it's not right to assume it um, you guys know how to read but I don't know I don't know how analytic reading yeah. you guys are. You, you're not very good at it. And so I have to model it by bring your book. Let's walk through these arguments that Plato's going to make. Let's, let's stop and read together. So reading together is really important to me um, just to kind of model slowing down and, and the questions to ask about the stuff that we're reading. Um, I think you guys are too accepting. You, you, you easily accept what you read. Yeah. And it's like, let's stop. Hang on. Why... Let, let's think of a, a set of arguments to challenge that interpretation. Um, and so reading critically is really, really, really important. And again, it's a skill that will serve you the rest of your life really, really well. Um, in a big class like ours, there's 80. Mm. And so it's hard for everybody to get a voice in because 80 is yeah. 80 people speaking at the same time. On the other hand, there's ways to make it more intimate. Learning names, calling on people figuring out who's comfortable talking about what. Um, again, modeling that public speaking yeah. so that people are kind of comfortable in that space to, I got a question and I want to ask the question. I don't want to sit on it because yeah. I'm shy. Um, but there's also a, um, in my courses, there's a rigorousness that 
that a lot of students, frankly, they don't want. They don't want. They don't. They want the PowerPoint. They want the um, the online access to the PowerPoint. And they don't want me. They don't want my personality. They don't want the questions. They don't. And that's cool. I mean, that's that's why we do week one and kind of let you guys shop for courses. Yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah. There, there's. I, I ask for a lot, and you know, some students just don't. Hey, we're not. You know, I I wasn't bargaining for that. Yeah. I can confirm that. Yeah, some students do think your class is a little difficult. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. At first, I mean, honestly, coming into your class when I first read the syllabus and I was like, that first paper, I was like, wow, this is going to be a rough semester. But it's really not that bad, honestly. Like, I mean, yeah, and I feel like I thought it was going to be a lot harder when you said, like, you don't post PowerPoints and all that stuff because then I'm like, oh, if I miss something. But I think, honestly, I like it. I feel like it trains me like You're an active learner, yeah an active like note-taker. it trains you to like process of this information like differently just because in most classes I can sit there and I can read it but like if I'm typing and I'm reading and then it's like listening all that together kind of plays out differently and I think too I mean I emphasize it all semester long this is cooperative learning yes it's, it's not like I got something I'm trying to hide from you and I give it out to you just in little little spoonfuls yeah. Like, no, nah, it's not the model of education I like. I like to I like to learn from you guys just as much as you guys learn from me. And so that's asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. It's creating an environment in which students are comfortable t- talking to each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely, I don't know, that's why I like your class. I like the challenge it brings. I feel like it's, it's going to yeah. benefit me in the future. Because it it's not like I'm trying to do, like, an easy profession when I'm exactly. older and I need, like, exactly. classes like this. Exactly. And for like a freshman, this. your maturity on that question is unusual, frankly, because there's not a lot of freshmen in that class. Yeah, I'm, like, one of the only ones. And that kind of freaked me out. When I first went, I'm like, okay, everyone in here is really close to graduating. Right. I'm like, I just started. And then I was like, am I really just getting ahead of myself? But I feel like it sets me up for the next four years. It does. And then eventually law school. And you're up for the challenge. Yes. And you want to be challenged and sometimes it takes people a while to learn that mm-hmm. and some people avoid it altogether yeah see i used Com to majors tend to embrace it which is part of the fun of being a teacher in this unit is you get kids who are really gung-ho about their education yeah okay and then um my next question so it's kind of kind of be going back to when you said interpersonal like benefits and things like that because the question was going to be in what aspects of a person's life do you feel an education in communication benefits one and what are some of these benefits? So by like what aspect? I mean like interpersonal, educational, like professional. Gosh, it's 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 every one, right? Because yeah. it's it's interpersonal. How to get along with other people? It's group. You're gonna work in groups the rest of your working days. You know, they might be small groups, they might be bigger groups, but how to function in that group? How to be a leader in a group? Yeah. How to be a follower in a group? How to um, how to do conflict in a group because you're going to have conflict and conflict's good. I mean, con- yeah. you've got to have conflict in groups. Yeah, got all those lessons from this project. <laughs> I bet you have. <laughs> um, on, right, now, now it's digital, right? So that you're going you're gonna, to you're, you're gonna have to learn kind of a whole digital presence, which is, is, is this, right? And, mm-hmm. But some of it's mediated through c- cameras and... Um, you're going to work remotely. You're going to be talking to people remotely. Uh, that requires a whole new skill set. Um, but there's there's a whole part of this discipline that's about sort of being a critic, asking hard questions, being skeptical, mm-hmm. um, knowing what's good evidence to answer a question, um, knowing how to take apart 
So, so part of public speaking is putting a message together. We also emphasize rhetorical criticism, taking it apart. Yeah. How to take it apart in a way that makes sense. Um, I'm very much a historian, and how do we write history? How do we put it together? What documents help us put it together? How should we trust those documents? Um, I feel like your book, like you explaining your book too, really puts that together for us because you show us the process. Yeah, I do. I show you as much as I can to kind of say, look, this is how we do it. Yeah. Here are the documents. Let's let's construct a history around these documents and put it together. Yeah. Because, I mean, I feel like it benefits in, like, a lot of different aspects, but I wanted to get your feel on it. Because, I mean, I know it does, but, like, professionals' input's obviously going to be important for that to see what how you think it's going to benefit us. And you know, you know what's funny? So I teach, it's not this class, another class, where I do a lot of microfilm work down mm-hmm. in the basement of Strozier. Oh, okay. And it's old, right? It's old microfilm. It's old technology. It's like, why isn't it Googleable? It's not. Yeah. And students get kind of uptight about it. And it's like, look, these are these are some skills that can pay off for you. And I've had several students email me semesters later saying, I'm in this job and you wouldn't believe. I'm down here in microfilm, down in the basement of my company and putting, and it's very empowering. Yeah, just to know that it pays off in Yeah, how to do it, ways. how to use it, how to, how, to, how to put stuff together with it. You know, because you're, you're the detective, right? Microfilm's mm-hmm. kind of detective work. And I love it when students are really good doing detective work asking hard questions, digging really deep, finding interesting evidence, um, being critical about about their own education. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Okay, and then my last question, that's like the bigger question I okay. with my research question, is do you believe that communications and law professions partner each other well? And if yeah. so, why do you think so? Yeah, just because law... Depending on what kind of law you practice, but if you're going to be a litigator, you're going to have to be a really good speaker. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to be able to construct stories. You're going to, of course, be weighing evidence every single day of your life. Um, there's an ethics there, too, about sharing evidence, about suppressing evidence, yeah. about you know attorney-client privilege stuff. So there's a whole ethical component to law and communication that talk to each other all the time. Uh, lawyers write all day long, every day. They have, but they have to ask. I mean, really good lawyers ask great questions. To ask great questions, you got to do your homework, right? You got to, you got to know. You got to have these literacies to be able to ask the good questions. Yeah. And then to follow up on those questions. So it's 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 kind of this inductive deductive logic, right? You got to learn that, and um, it takes time. Yeah. Uh, to be able to to learn that skill, those mm-hmm. don't those don't come in law school. They don't come. In thirty-two ten, they, those are kind of lived wisdom. Yeah, you know, as you go, as you as you litigate a case, that case informs your next case, and that case right and yeah. gets to branch out like this. And by the time you're right six, seven, eight, ten, twelve years in, it's like okay, Alyssa's got some legal wisdom under her belt. She knows the questions to ask mm-hmm. for this type of case. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I mean, we used to have a whole branch of. Not too long ago, in in our department called Legal Com. Um. So if you were interested in law school, you went that Legal Com track. We weren't meeting communication studies until about ten years ago. We had a whole bunch of different yeah. tracks. Now, you as a historian, if you want to go dig it up in an old course catalog, you come to class and say, "Hey, Professor Hauk, I was looking at the two thousand course catalog. What happened to Legal Com?" I'm like, "Ooh, Alyssa's out there digging in the archives, finding out about how did she how did she know we did Legal Com?" 
And I would tell you, well, we did, and because we had two faculty members and they left. Oh, so it's like, like what happened to it? Yeah. Where'd it go? Because I want to take a legal comm. Where'd those classes go? Yeah. Because, I mean, for me, like, the reason I want communications is because I see, like, speech skills and stuff like that. And, I mean, I never was, like, in high school. Everyone's always afraid of, like, talking and stuff like that. So, I'm like, these are definitely skills I'm going to need in general. And, like, even before I wanted to be, like, a lawyer, I wanted to do something in the communications field, whether it was, like, journalism or things like that. I just always found myself under there. And then... When I decided I wanted to go to law school, like, I didn't want to do political science. I just felt like everyone takes that as the easy route to go to law school. And, like, my dad majored political science, and he does financing. So, like, I mean, that's a hit or miss type of degree. I don't think there's one track to law school. Exactly. There's a million tracks to law school. Yeah, and I just, like, I could have went that way, but I felt like I wouldn't get, like, the best education I need. And then, like, even doing this assignment, like, I've seen different articles saying, like, some of the skills that you do like lawyers do need aren't even like like humanistic skills and things like that and those interpersonal relationship skills like aren't really emphasized in law school and those are things like right. lawyers obviously do no, need lawyer, so. law school is about I, I like to um the people who've been through law school and tell me about it it's 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 it's, it's learning how to be a plumber you're like what do you mean i'm not learning how to be a plumber it's like no this, this is a this is a vocation right and there are vocational things you got to learn how to do. you got to learn how to write a brief, mm-hmm. right? These basic things. That, yeah. It's plumbing. and But it's plumbing for lawyers. It's plumbing for the law. And a good legal education is going to show you how to be a good plumber. And then once you got that skill set, right, then yeah. you branch out and specialize in this type of law. And build off of it, yeah. And, like, personally, I want to do, as of right now, it changes, like, Every couple of weeks, what branch of law? But I mean, I don't need to know it yet. So no, I think that's why it changes close. all the time for me. No, but, but it should change. Yeah. If it's not changing, you're not thinking the right way. Yeah, because like I did want to do for a while. I wanted to do like civil, and then certain like certain things like that. But then I'm like, I know certain cases for me would be like something I would feel a little too much. And like as a lawyer, you're not supposed to be attached to cases. But I know I do want to do law, so then for a while I wanted to do entertainment and sports law. So that's kind of what led me to communications. I'm like, if I want to do that, I definitely need to know how to communicate with these people in the entertainment field and in the sports industry and stuff and know, like... Because, like, even for that, like, let's say for some reason law school didn't work out for me, like, I also did before want to be, like, a PR like manager or something like that, you know, in those fields. So it's like, whether I go law or not, I'll be doing something I enjoy. Yeah. And that's why it, like, kind of led me to communications... And then, like, in your classroom, we'll talk, and you'll say, like, law- like I remember one quote specifically, you said how lawyers are good at filling in gaps with rhetoric, like, making those stories up. And then, for me, like, I had just watched the Aaron Hernandez things on Netflix. I did, too. Yeah, and right, it, I literally had finished it, like, the day before. Okay. And you'd said that, and it just made me think, like, Jose Bias has done, like, he's a phenomenal lawyer. He gets the job done with some very iffy cases, like the Casey Anthony case mm-hmm. and the... Uh, um, Hernandez case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's found the really small pieces and been able to plug it in and, yeah. like... Create that little doubt. Exactly. And then he creates these... Doubt. And then he creates these, like, stories that everyone knows are, like, somewhat absurd, but yeah. they can't fully disprove them. So, like, as a lawyer, he's, like, kind of everything I want to be because he, like, it yeah. does his job, like, so well. Right. And then that, like, I connected that when you said that, and I was, like that's crazy because that's true like he was really good with putting these stories around and whether they're like 
a little far-fetched from what we have in front of us. They can't disprove them, and they can't fully prove the other story's true. It's Aristotle and probability. It's yeah. You create a story that's probable to create that much doubt that says mm-hmm. to, to one juror, says, mm, I can't convict. Yeah, and then it just kind of gets it all. But that's when I realized, I'm like, okay, so these really do go. Like, because at first, like, I when I decided, before I even took the classes, when I sort of decided, like, I hadn't declared because I was exploratory. I hadn't declared my major, but I was like, I think this is what I want to do. And then after that, I was like, this is... I know the education here does not, I mean, it doesn't obviously like parallel each other, but they do correlate in a way that's going to benefit me mm-hmm. in a lot you'd of different be, ways. You'd be surprised how many lawyers, when you ask them their undergraduate major, come. See, and that's like, I mean, I feel like it's just like, not like necessarily the easy, like an easy choice to be like, okay, like this makes sense. Because I mean, not everyone finds it that way. They would find like political science to make sense just because it goes on to that. But for me, like, I just feel like it makes so much sense because these skill sets are are different but they yeah they go together very well here's the one thing we don't teach i'm gonna let you in on a little little piece of wisdom that nobody else is going to have in their fancy papers that they're writing right now about about communication and law okay so to be a really really good lawyer you got like i said ask really really good questions and ask really really good questions is premised on being a really good listener Mm -hmm. we don't teach listening we used to we don't anymore why not? You look at communication curriculums around the country, I would challenge you to find a department that teaches listening. And it's unfortunate because we need it. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those dis- little sub-disciplines of communication that just kind of died away with oh, a certain wow. generation of people mm-hmm. who took it in school. Yeah. And it just isn't part of the curriculum anymore. Like, for example, classical rhetoric. Gorgias. You're getting a pretty unique education this semester because not a lot of schools teach classical rhetoric mm-hmm. in a, a piece of classical rhetoric. Yeah. Um, but you know what? What's funny is um, a woman I had in class for several courses emails me excitedly from UM Law School, University of Miami. Mm-hmm. And she That's says, She said, you're not going to believe this. Her name was Sherry. I'm like, Sherry, try me. <laughs> and she's like, guess what our first year, I don't know what the contract, I forget what the course was called. One of the books I'm reading this semester. I'm like, what? Gorgias. Like, really? Gorgias is in the law curriculum? That's crazy. Well, you will. That's crazy. That's, that's a friend now. I'm here, depending on what field of law I want to go. Because mm-hmm. if I do entertainment and sports, I've, that's a pretty good program for it. They have, mm-hmm. like, a good one there. And mm-hmm. because, like, Miami's got all that, mm-hmm. like, and I've looked into it, and they do things with, like, sports teams there and stuff like that. Right. Like, just to get that, like, experience. So that's a route. But then there's also really good law school here. So if I want to go a different yeah. route, because like here we don't have sports and entertainment. They have sports law, but not necessarily the two. So right. that's why Miami would be a better choice for that. But then it's like, like I said, it changes all the time. So it's like really those two for me, and because those are probably the most yeah. logical cost wise. Right. Like I'd rather stay in state than right. go. I hear you. And spend so much money because I'm probably gonna do anyways. <laughs> I don't want to do like a lot more. But yeah, that like in just in class like certain things those little pieces are what put it together and I'm like okay like this makes a lot of sense as to certain things because like certain things like like I said like the Jose Baez stuff like that it blew my mind how he won the Casey Anthony case and stuff because like you think like the other case was so like strong and like there's no way she would pass off with it and then when he won it's like everyone's like how did he do that Mm -hmm. like I don't understand like like like, what was he doing the question you just raised Mm -hmm. which is how yeah that's a communication question that's a, it's an evidence question, it's a research question, it's a storytelling question, it's an audience analysis question, mm-hmm. who's on that jury? 
Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and last semester I took a criminal justice class, and, like, our final paper was about the Casey Anthony case itself. Okay. So then, like, I like I find, like, documentaries very interesting, especially when it comes to, like, weird cases like that. Yeah. Just because, like, yeah. big ones, like, obviously everyone's curious about them. So, like, I watched that, like, way, like, last spring break, really. Like, I watched a three-part documentary on it, and, like, I knew everything about it already. So then when I did that paper, I'm like, oh, this is my time to shine. Yeah. So, like, I just went back, re-listened to some of it, but most of the stuff, like, sat with me, and then, like, so then it's like I knew exactly what was happening in the case and how he did it. But the one question that was for me is, like, how did he even, like, put it together in his head before getting it out there, you know? And then it's like when you talk about rhetoric and filling in the gaps and raising that cause of probability, like, you know, that's what all kind of pieced it together for me. And I was like, wait. And I remember it was probably, like, the third day of class or something like that and I like or when we were reading Gorgas it was very early in the class and I remember I came up to you and I was like that just made so much sense for me because like I n- it never clicked before and then putting those two together and that's when it was like okay I see how this is coming together all full circle now and it's making so much more sense and I feel like he has obviously some skills in communications clearly if not a lot so well right and, and we didn't go into it but the the whole Socratic method you'll see it in law school mm-hmm. first day where Okay, uh, what's your last name, Alyssa? Metella. What is it? Metella. Metella. So, um, right, here comes the law school prof. Um, big class, 120 people. Uh, mm-hmm. Alyssa Metella, where are you? I'm right over here. Um, um, in case such and such v such and such, what is the issue at heart? Well, glad you asked. The issue at heart is this, because you've done your homework and written mm-hmm. it down. Uh, good, and so when you say the issue is this, so here come the questions. Like, in Gorgias, exactly when he just keeps going. modeled on that. That's why it's called the Socratic method. Because, yeah. And you're getting to, you'll, you know, you, you go as far as you can go with the question. Yeah. It's crazy you said it, because I used to watch How to Get Away with Murder, and she used to do that at the beginning of class and just ask all these questions and, like, put them on the spot like yeah. that. Yeah. So, now I'm making the parallels. You see, that's what I'm saying. Like, these little things, they all click 